0: listening to The Sermon Podcast from Real Life on the Palouse, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. Today, uh, I'm excited to to dive into our second part of our Unstuck series. I want to thank Paul Hansen again last week for his message. I thought about the the baggage and rocks that I might have been carrying around in my life that were weighting me down and uh, got a chance to kind of evaluate some of those things. So uh, today, I'm excited to talk about success. Success. I have a toilet on stage, right? Um, as this past couple of weeks as I was praying about this message, I just kept asking, Lord, give me perspective. Lord, give me perspective. I knew that this message was going to come on the heels of a hotly contested election where roughly half of the country was going to feel like they were successful. And roughly half was going to feel like they were not. And so give me perspectives on success, Lord. Uh, give me a perspective on success in faith. Give me a perspective on success in relationships. Give me a perspective on success with my time. Give me a perspective on success with money. Uh, as I was preparing for this, I read this book. It's in your notes under um, your going deeper. It's called it's, uh, The Soul of Money by Lynn Twist. And I want you to be thinking about this, this quote Uh, today, I know I'm ahead. Don't, don't try and catch up with me, guys. I changed the notes, but I want you to be thinking about this, this quote. What you appreciate appreciates. What you appreciate appreciates. Did you know that November 19th is World Toilet Day? I mean, what a celebration. World Toilet Day is November 19th. We'll get to that in a second. When I think about perspectives of success, it's really sobering to me. I have the ability to numb myself to the rest of the world. And when I do that and and don't think about the rest of the world, just think about my world, I'm pretty comfortable talking today about becoming unstuck with our success will be uncomfortable. It'll be uncomfortable. So to me, what did success mean to me? And I was pretty much the American-driven dream of success. Um, I was chasing uh, money at a high level and try to put myself in a vehicle that I could do that in. I couldn't wait to have a lake house and a boat and a dock. And man, that would just be successful. Having uh, nice cars, having a nice home. You know what my next definition of success is? Is not scraping off the ice off of my wind, off of my windshields of my vehicles. I took that for granted when I lived in Montana. We had a giant garage that was awesome and I never had to scrape off our vehicles. But since I moved here, I've scraped off our vehicles. Success. I used to be successful, right? So think about healthy family. That, that would be successful. That's a definition I have of success. Um, a growing church. Growing not just in numbers, but growing in, in impact in our community is, is an idea I have of success. A good economy and retirement and all those things that we think about of the American dream. So when we think about success, we might have a little different definition than everybody else. So 2020, was it a success? No, it was horrible. It was COVID. It was this and that. And it, it's perspectives, right? So when I started thinking about success and perspectives of 2020, you know what I thought about? I thought about what I lost, not about what I gained, not about the quality time you might have gained with your family because you were uh, not able to go out and do things that you were normally doing. You were able to invest in your children more. You were able to, to do things. I thought about what I lost, and, and what I lost, and you guys can kind of sympathize with me. Go, just practice. Go, Ah, ah. I was supposed to go to Hawaii in April, the end of April. Oh, I know. It was for the church. It was for a conference that I needed to go to in Hawaii. And um, I know, I know. The organization that, that was, they paid for the hotel rooms. I just had to get there. And you can't go to Hawaii for three days, right? That would be a waste of airfare. That's not good stewardship. So I was going to go for seven or eight with my wife and, and uh, two good friends. And super excited. I had planned that. I bought swimming trunks that had like pineapples on them and stuff. I was ready to go. And you know what happened when COVID hit? Down the drain. Aw. Oh. I was supposed to go uh, with Brad Gray, who taught here, who's an awesome teacher of the word. I was supposed to go to, to to Turkey with him in September. For sure COVID would be done by then. And this is like an impossible trip to get on. You have to have know somebody to get on this trip. He's booked up like forever usually. And I was planning out our 2021 sermon series based on what I was going to learn as I went uh, to, to Turkey about all the cool all the cool, uh, the, the, the cool texts we were going to be able to learn about and all those things. And guess what happened to that? Oh. Uh, before that, uh, my wife and I, we were celebrating, going to celebrate our 25th anniversary this year. We did. We celebrated it. I bought her. I took her out to Wendy's, got her anything she wanted at Wendy's. And we went out to the house that the Lord's building. Um, well, the Lord and his people are building, and we sat on our flat decking of our house for our anniversary. And she didn't really want to go to Mexico for 10 days and go to Puerto Vallarta for 10 days. And I'd be bronzed right now. We would have gotten back right around Halloween, and it's like 85 to 90 there. And you know what happened to that trip? No. You know what I have? First world problems. I have first world problems. World Toilet Day. Here's the reason why there's a World Toilet Day. There's 673 million people that still practice open, not going into a toilet stuff. That's over twice the population of America. They don't have one of these. They don't have this magical thing that takes your waste and takes it away from you. It actually goes into their water sources. It actually contaminates their life. How many of these do you have? It's very inconvenient if you don't have enough because then you're waiting. Perspective. Perspective. You know that the odds of you being born in America are roughly one in 25. 25. One in 25 to be born in this great nation of ours, where we have toilets. You're very successful in the world's eyes, strictly because of where you were born. The average world income is $10,000 a year. We're successful. We're not wondering if we're going to eat. We're wondering what we're going to eat. You're very successful. So success and perspective and defini- and in the definition, you know, what is success? I'm going to take a risk here. I didn't even prepare for this. I would like to, to give this to uh, if we had a girl that was closer to the age of 5, 6, or 7, I would like their help in a sermon illustration here while we watch a short video. And I didn't pick that person yet. But you get to keep this. All you got to do is put this like on your head. And when this video is playing, you just have to walk around. Sorry, camera guys. You just have to walk around the sanctuary like this. Just walk around in circles for the three minutes that this video is playing. Who wants to do that? Who would be willing to do that? Anyone? Oh, you'd be awesome. You could have it. You could keep it. This is Welch's grape juice. It's family size. You don't have to say anything at all. All right, let's open it up to boys. Watch out. Watch the fellows run up here. Okay, come on over. All right, got a volunteer. What's your name, sir? Bobby. All right, Bobby, here's what I want you to do. We're going to play a video, okay? All you have to do, you can't drink this right now. All you have to do is put it on your head like this and you just walk around the the chairs all the way on the outside until the video's done and then you can take this back to your mom, Bobby, okay? She's not gonna let you drink it right now. This is special communion juice, but you get to have this at home, okay? So I want you guys to think about perspective while Bobby walks around the room with this over his head. He's gonna walk on the outside of everybody, on the outside of the chairs, in front of that wall and just keep walking until the the video's over, okay, Bobby? You want to put it on your head? Okay, you got to keep it on your head. You got to hold it, though. You got it? All right, roll video. Thanks, Bobby. You can head back with your mom. Doing all right? Is it tiring? Yeah. Good job, Bobby. Thank you. (laughs) True lives in Kenya. She walks 4.27 miles round trip. The time spent on each trip is three hours and 32 minutes. Perspective. What do you think her mom's definition of success is? That one of her kids didn't die. That they came back hey, good job, what a great job bringing a a giant dirty pot of water back. Now we're going to be able to, to, to have something. So this is not like the make you feel bad and donate to those things, but as God was bringing me to understanding perspective and we were arguing about votes and which votes counted, I started to think that, wait a minute, we get to vote. We get the privilege to vote there's billions of people in the world that don't get to, that don't get to have a voice. Well, my didn't, my guy didn't win or my girl, my person didn't win. No, no. no. We get to vote. We're so successful, we get to we get to, they, somebody actually cares about your opinion. Being born in America already makes you successful in most of the world's eyes. I have first world problems. Just thinking about the dirty water yesterday. I was out at my uh, place that we're building, and there was quite a bit of water built up because we had dug a bunch of dirt, and I had a, a Pulaski, which is a fabulous tool, and I was digging some ditches to drain the water away from my house, and I was in this muddy water, very clayish and muddy water, and I'm like, True, would this would have been a gift. It's right here. She could have just... she should get to walk on a paved road back. So we have success, and we are to steward our success very well. We talk about privilege in America, and there's different colors of privilege and all these different pieces of privilege. Uh, it doesn't matter what color we are. Living in America makes us very privileged. And people before us, we stand on their shoulders. We stand on the shoulders of people who sacrificed so we could enjoy this privilege. And we are to steward this, well, to whom much is given, much is required. We have a great responsibility, not just to some far-off place in Kenya, yes, but we have a great responsibility in our own backyard. We have a great responsibility right here. So when I think about success, I want to think about success in your faith. I don't worry about, you know, Uh, if I have a Bible to read, I worry about which version I want to read today. Success. Success in your faith is reading God's word. Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord. Do you think about that? When you get up every morning, you're like, I am so delighted that I get to read the NIV study Bible, cultural background study Bible. I'm so delighted that I have these. You know, I actually get to sit sit next to someplace with coffee and be warm and read this. I don't have to read this in a cave with a candle wondering if I'm going to be drug out and killed because I have one of these. Perspective. Says, uh, verse three says that person, you know, the person who delights in the law of the Lord and who meditates on it day and night, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. You want to know how to prosper? You want to know how to prosper? You want to know how to be successful? Right here. You don't have to go to any seminars. You can spend time studying and understanding God's word. And you know when it comes alive even more? is when you study it on your own and then you study it with other people. Or have we let Romans 12 happen to us? 12.2. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What patterns are we in? Are we in patterns of what's fair and what's unfair? Are we in patterns of, of significance, success, or survival? Are we in patterns of, of, of there's not enough or that there's, we have an abundant God? I needed to renew my mind. I need to renew my mind. And I renew my mind by spending time with God. See when you, right, when, how do you renew your mind? Well, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is—His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Is that important to know? Perspective. When I think about faith. Who has a, how do I have success in faith? I just have to choose to have success in faith. It's right there for me. It's a choice. It's a discipline. It's an obedience. I have to choose to engage in my life group, choose to engage with people that I'm doing life with and study God's word, and there I go. I have to choose to worship, choose to care about the words that we're singing, come prepared to worship because I already listened to those songs because they were, when we get them out on the, on YouTube, choose to be successful. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of if I choose. So we have the responsibility uh, to our privilege and our success with our faith We have that with our time, with our money. You know, God gave us this. It was the visions of us being successful. He gave that to our founding fathers. He gave that to to Dr. King in his speech of having a dream of what this could look like. This success was built through God and through his people. We are to steward our success well. Now, why are you here? Like, not here in this building. <laughs> it's like, why do you exist? Why are you on this planet? Why did he choose to allow you and me to be in America? He thinks your gifts and talents are uniquely designed to build his kingdom. Right where you sit. And he's given you the freedom to do it. We're here to build the kingdom of God. It's that simple. In the parable of the rich fool, I won't uh, dive into it for time's sake, but the parable of the rich fool, uh, this guy has this great success in his harvest, and he doesn't know what to do with so much of his harvest that it doesn't fit in his barn, so here's what he says. He says, he says, uh, well, figures out that he has all this, all this uh, harvest, and he said, uh, well, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Drink and be merry. The mies. Look what I did. Look what I have. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be for whoever stores up things uh, for themselves, but is not rich towards God. See, Jesus was using this parable to bring perspective. God's perspective. The rich man wasn't considered a fool because he was rich. If you're like, we're already rich under success terms, how many people are going to go dig for dirty water today? How many people have the ability to use one of these? Can you imagine if you really think about the sermon the couple times a day that you go to sit on your porcelain throne? Like, man, I am am successful. (laughs) My success here. But it's not because he's rich. That's not why Jesus calls him a fool. He calls him a fool because he's neglecting justice and righteousness. Righteousness. He's worried about himself. He wants to build a bigger barn for himself, not for the kingdom. As followers of Christ, we're to be transformed. We're to be different. It's no longer about our story and what I can get and what's me and my. It's about God's story. It's about building the kingdom of God, putting my my needs and my desires uh, in its proper place, as we look to the kingdom. Now, sometimes your needs and your desires and the thing God puts in your heart and the businesses you dream about and the things you're going to do and how you help people, that's all part of the plan in its its right perspective. So you will seek, when you seek first God's kingdom, your life will be judged successful. I feel like sometimes I have to get unstuck out of my success. Success. And to do that, I need perspective. Because what you appreciate, appreciates. When you appreciate your spouse, that relationship gets better. When you appreciate your children, that relationship gets better. When you appreciate the things that you own, they last longer. They're they're taken care of. Ownership is one of the words that I love about our church. It's one of my core values is I want you to have ownership here. I don't want you to attend here. I want you to just stop in. I want you to have ownership here. I want you to have ownership in your faith. I want you to have ownership in the mission and vision of what God's doing in this church. I want you to have ownership of the building. I want you to have ownership of, of all of these things. I don't own it. I'm just the steward of it. It's God's, He's given to, for us to steward this building. We steward it well. You know what? We have a daycare here that's awesome. And we charge them $1 a year for thousands and thousands of square feet so that they can offer tremendously discounted daycare for people that are in need so they can move their life and be better. That's being about the kingdom. What you appreciate, appreciate. let's talk about everyone's favorite subject. Let's talk about God's money. Do you know that God has money? He just lets you hold it? This is the part that all the pastors, I guess I am one of those, uh, freak out when you talk about money. Because you think that like the church, oh, here it is. I knew it was coming. He wants to talk about giving money to the church. No, I don't want to talk about giving money to the church. This church will survive on exactly what God gives us. What I want to talk about is your trust level with God. Let's look at some statistics because these are fun. Tithers make up 10 to 25% of a normal congregation. I was like, I don't know if that's even that's not true. We're tomorrow. So I did the research and we're at like 12%. Mm, over 10. We have 50 families, this is just stats. We have 50 families that provide for 52% of the giving to this church. Nine of them are staff members. How cool is that? Your staff is sold out. They're not just sold out physically. They're sold out financially. I'm really proud of our staff. Christians, on average, uh, only 5% of Christians in America tithe, they say. 80% of Americans give 2% of their income. But Christians do a better job. Christians are giving 2.5% of our income. This is just statistics. It's true. It's true in here. During the Great Depression, when things were easy, they gave 3.3% of their income. Giving uh, to churches has decreased by 50% since 1990. Okay. I'm not mad. I'm not angry. I want you to be under the full blessing of God. This church will operate on exactly what is given to it. Here's a cool story. Prior to COVID, in February, I came and talked to you guys about uh, where we were in our budget. And we were at about 71% of what we budgeted. And the way we budget is we base what we received last year and we don't give ourselves uh, an increase. And we just say, based on that number, that's what we'll budget on. So we were 29% shy of our budget from last year. We had pastoral changes and people moved and all of those different things. But we were a fair number. So we slashed our budgets to fit into what God wanted us to do. I shared that with you guys in February. Uh now we're at about uh, 84% of our budget. We actually increased our giving through COVID. Through all of this time, you increased your giving to the church, and now we're at 84%. So we've only cut, like, we still made the bigger cuts, but only 16% uh, cuts is what we did this year, is what it'll net out to be this year for the church and what we want to do. We only cut 16% of the stuff we thought we were going to do that was going to be cool or whatever the case is. But we have faithful people. So that's a cool story. Uh, conservatively, based on who attends our church, we have roughly 600 families that attend our church, 600 to 800 depends on what number you want to go by. If our church was like the full all in tithing church, we would have like a 77% surplus in our budget. And I'd be up here trying to figure out how we can bless our community and do things different and all those things. And it's all just about the tithe. So let's teach on the tithe. The word tithe, it means 10%. Period. Period. That's what it means. And here's what we know about the tithe. It is the Lord's. Proverbs 3, 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. So whose money is it? It's God's money. Every nickel that you get is His. He trusts you with that. Here's what else we know about the tithe. It's the first fruits of your labor. God doesn't want your leftovers. He asks us, take some of the first fruits of all that you produce, this is in Deuteronomy 26, uh, from the soil of land. He, he wants the first and the best from you. Why does he want the front end of the money and not, like, I'm going to give it to you, but it's over here? Because it requires more trust and faith to give him back what he's asked for first and then live on the other 90%. Now, Paul last week said you should give 10% and save 20 and live on 70. Really affect my Starbucks world. I mean, do you guys know how much I'm suffering? I have an iPhone 10. No, thank you. I mean, the 11's come out, the 12's out and I'm walking around with a 10. Come on. I live in abundance. I have a good God. It's the best that you have Exodus 23:19. Bring the best of the first fruits of the soil to your house uh, to the house of the Lord, your God. Bring your best. Bring your best, bring your best in giving, bring your best in in serving your church, bring your best in taking care of your family. This is the one I really struggled with. I don't know if I should say it, but I guess I have to. It's on the screen. Tithing is not giving. Malachi 37 says, Oh, how are oh mere mortal? How are you robbing me? Like If we really dug into that, we're like, tithing is choosing not to steal. Stop it, Josh. In this, this was cool before. It reminds me whose I am and whose it is. Psalms 24. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. If you acknowledge God, you believe that. It's his. And then there's a bummer right here. This is kind of the sad one is there's no tithing exemptions. I'm always looking for our exemptions. There's no exemptions to tithing. What if you're a college student and you have a work study and you make $180 a month doing your work study? You should tithe $18. Dollars. 10%? Yeah, $18. Dollars. You should tithe $18. Dollars. What if you're an awesome business owner and God has blessed you and you have multiple companies and multiple businesses and you're a big roller and you make five, six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollars a year? You can do the math if you made that much money. You should tithe. I mean, all that? Yeah, all of it. Okay? Now, the wrong question. So the tithe goes to the church, right, Josh? Because you're a pastor and you'll get a giant raise if we tithe to the church. I haven't had a raise in three years and I don't even need one. Because my God is super good. It's not about giving money to your pastor. So there's this idea that there's the storehouse. Where does this tithe go? And we'd be like, well, it goes to the storehouse. And the storehouse is obviously real life on the Palouse. I think it's the wrong question. Christians are giving 2.5% of their income. Maybe they're deciding with the other 7.5% where they're going to give it. But let's just get to the 10%, and then we'll we'll fight about where we should give it. But we're not to the 10% in general. I think most Christians don't tithe because they don't trust. The trust and faith issue bleeds all over our lives. Money is just an indicator. It's just an indicator. It leads us away from God and trying to accomplish our own salvation, our own survival, our own success. Deuteronomy 8, 17 says, You may say to yourself, My power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me, but remember the Lord your God, for he for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. So again, this book I was reading, The Soul of Money by Lynn Twist's Made me think about this more and more. What you appreciate appreciates. What you appreciate appreciates. God has laid a lot of cool, awesome dreams on my heart about our church and our future. I appreciate this church. I appreciate this church. I appreciate the ability to work for this church. I appreciate it so much. This is where my, this is where my treasure goes. The treasure I have in time and the treasure that I have in money, it goes here. I think we're doing some pretty amazing things, uh, godly work here at Real Life. I think we're worthy of your tithe. But if if we're not worthy of your tithe, or you don't think that we're worthy of your tithe, that's okay. You still got to give away your 10%. Do it. Be bold about it. I know guys who give away a lot more than 10%. Give God your best, not your leftovers. Closing out here, Matthew uh, six twenty 20 says, but store up uh, for yourself treasures in the heavens where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves break in, uh, do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Not where your heart is, then you bring your treasure. We can already tell where our treasure, where our heart is because it's, it's where we put our treasure. It's where we invest our time. It's where we invest our money. It's where we invest The very being of our life. So, where is the treasure that God gave you going? Your time treasure, where is that going? Your unique gifting treasure. This church needs you. This community needs you. They need your leadership. They need your heart. They need your passion. They need you. You are a gift. You're a gift to this church. You're a gift to to this community. Your money, cool, whatever. We're not going to have money problems at this church because we live within our means. But we may have people, we have a trust problem. And I want you to overcome that. I want you to trust God with everything, including your money. I want you to trust him with with your walk, with your faith, with your heart, all of those things, regardless of who's president or who's not president. Regardless of whether we're in a war or not war. Do you think people in World War II are like, I don't know, it's World War II. Probably not going to give this month. Not sure. They're drying paper towels. Being good stewards of what God has for us. One of the things I treasure is the fact that we get to do communion every week. We invest in communion every week. Because it's important to take us back to the foundation of who we are. And who God says we are. And whose we are. And so, uh, in our church, we have an open table. If you believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you, we want you to participate in communion with us. We want you to have a perspective every week on whose you are. On everything about you. So, uh, as we're preparing, you're getting communion cups open. Think about some of these uh question igniters that we're going to have uh, as we uh, go out this week. Here's some things we're going to talk about in our life groups. How do you develop and interact with yours and other person's perspectives? It is time to engage. What has your perspective been on personal success? How do you value personal success? Every, I won't do it. How do you value personal success? How many toilets do you have? How does your perspective correlate with God's demand of a tithe? In what ways is failing to tithe robbing God, yourself, and others? And then the quote I shared. Live with that this week a little bit. What we appreciate appreciates. What perspectives need some altering in our lives? True, and to truly appreciate what your faith is, your family, your finances. I appreciate that God gave his son for us. On the night he was betrayed, he held up the bread and he looked at his guys and he said, this is my body. This is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's remember the success we have through our Lord and Savior. In the same way, uh, that night when he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink of this and do this in remembrance of me, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. We're proclaiming his kingdom. We're pro- proclaiming who he is and whose we are. Let's proclaim him. Father, I just thank you for this time, man. I hope, Lord, um, that your heart came through here. That you have the heart of a father, that you want your children to trust you. Do you care about the kids that are digging in dirt for dirty water? Do you care about our sorrows and heartaches here? Lord, help us to steward this amazing success that we have as a church, as a country, as a community, as families. Let us be grateful, grateful for the success that we were born into, and not just of this country, but the fact that we are born into your into your glory, that we chose to be, be a part of your, your kingdom, Lord. That's the ultimate success. Father, let us follow you passionately. Let us give generously. Let us trust. Let us trust like we've never trusted before. We praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.